What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Have outdoor games lost their luster after this year's Heritage Classic, or are we still on board for showcase games? The San Jose Sharks put the O in October, and Joe Thornton calls it a career. We discuss all that and more on today's Western Conference Tuesday edition of the Lockdown NHL podcast. We are your team every day. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, a Western Conference Tuesday edition of Locked On NHL. We are your team every day. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On NHL your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any new videos throughout the course of the week. On today's episode of Locked On NHL, we discuss the Heritage Classic and if we still have a soft spot for outdoor games or if it's time to uh, time to shake things up a little bit. We'll also talk about the San Jose Sharks, who are still looking for their first win of the season, to the surprise of no one. And we'll talk about Joe Thornton, who uh, finally called it a career in absolute Joe Thornton fashion. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll talk about him as well. My name is Seth Topol. Host of Lockdown Wilds and uh, one of the hosts of your Western Conference Tuesday edition of Lockdown NHL. Joining me once again is Nick Morgan of Lockdown Predators. Nick, we have uh, an interesting array of topics here to discuss a smorgasbord today, and we're starting with the Heritage Classic, the uh, the showcase game or one of the showcase games for the NHL, and it was. Uh, it was the Battle of Canada, and the Oilers ended up coming away with uh, a pretty nondescript win. I believe the final score was five to two. Um, do we still like all the novelty that goes into these outdoor games? Are they still something that's fresh and exciting that the NHL puts on, or is it time to maybe revisit? I mean, the novelty about it is gone, and I think that was just because the NHL has sort of leaned into it and have three games a year, and there is a point where there is like four or five stadium series games a year beyond the Outdoor Classic. Like, not, not just outdoor games, but four or five of the same series of outdoor games. Um, and look, it's the, the reason I love them though, is it is a cool opportunity for fans, especially when they go to sort of an out there market. Like when they came to Nashville, uh, that was one of the coolest experiences of my life was getting, uh, able to, to see that outdoor game in person. Uh, we know they're doing Raleigh, 
uh, you know, there, there's other, you know, other, you know, teams that I think are in line. I know the Columbus Blue Jackets are chomping at the bit to get involved in the game. So, you know, the fans of these teams, especially when it's a market where they're not really often involved in something like this, I think the novelty is still there. And it's a fun experience. But from just a generic NHL viewer, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's not must-see TV anymore. Uh, if you're, you know, living in, if you're a hockey fan in Washington, D.C., it's not must-see to see a team in Calgary and Edmonton go at it in a stadium outside. Well, and I'll, I'll talk about this from the Minnesota perspective because Minnesota had the opportunity for one uh, within the last couple of years um, at target field, which is one of the, it's one of the top five ballparks in America. And I'm not, uh, I'm not being aggressive with that ranking. That's just how it is. So you had the opportunity to have that backdrop. They had the arena, they had the ice out in the outfield with the, uh, the backdrop of, it just was a fantastic setup. Just so happened that it was like 30 below that game. And so it's it's one of those where you see people bundling up to try to stay warm. You see people trying to enjoy adult beverages that are freezing the moment they leave the any sort of warmth. And so I guess I kind of want a little more of that on one side, although on the other, I forget which game it was exactly that the uh, the NHL did. But uh, when they had the uh, the outdoor game at Lake Tahoe um, and they were having issues with keeping the ice like actual ice because it was uh, a little on the warm side. I I just like the fun perspectives that you get from different venues, different yeah. areas, like the fact that, you know, you could potentially have a Rangers Islanders at Yankee Stadium is intriguing to me just because of how that would look the optics of how that would look. You know, the Boston Bruins have played at Fenway Park. It's just kind of that fun, like, hey, I get to see my favorite hockey team play at an iconic ballpark for another franchise in that state. Uh, I think those are kind of the fun things that uh, that get added in. But I'm with you. I think they have watered it down by having as many as they do. It's like when you have a favorite movie that is perfectly capable of just standing alone by itself. Mm -hmm. And the director all of a sudden is like, Hey, guess what? We got four sequels lined up. And in your head, you're like, they're not going to be anywhere near as good. Am I going to watch them? Probably because it's still hockey, but they're not going to be as good as the original. Too much of a good thing is actually a thing. And what do you do if you're the NHL? Like, clearly a lot of us are sick of seeing the Boston Bruins in every outdoor game or the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> you know, the same five teams who have, like, three outdoor games in every five years or something like that. That's – but at the same time, it's, you know, you got to kind of figure out a way to – you know, renew some of these local rivalries. And I remember um, it was either Kings Ducks or Kings Sharks. Uh, but the first year that they did the stadium series, I think this was all the way back in 2014, maybe 2015, but they played at Dodger Stadium. It was cool because it was like a California rivalry. 
who remembers seeing uh, the Chicago Blackhawks and Detroit Red Wings, an old school rivalry at Wrigley Field? Like that was, you know, uh, that was a pop. You know, that's do you get the same pop when you see Nashville versus Tampa Bay or, or Carolina versus Washington? No, I feel like you got to, you know, figure out a way to sort of make the local rivalries unique. Um, you know, like, I mean, even if you want to do like a, uh, I'm spitballing here, but you know, how many times did we see, I think just once we saw Crosby Ovechkin in an outdoor game, um, you know, and that was the rivalry that everybody in the NHL was kind of pushing. We got to yeah. figure out a way to do that. I love uh, a few years ago during the COVID year where I don't really, I don't think they call it a winter classic, but when the, I think it was the. Kings and Golden Knights played at Lake Tahoe and it was just sort of that outdoor, like it just looked like a pickup game on ice. And it was so cool. Um, kind of reminds me of like the field of dreams game that the MLB does just do something a little bit non-traditional. Like we've done the ballpark, um, you know, idea we we've been at stadiums, we've been at college stadiums, it's I think it's time to maybe think outside the box a little bit and think about how you want to play these games. And maybe there's a unique venue that's not necessarily a, you know, traditional sports venue or or at least traditional in the sense that, you know, oh, we would definitely play a hockey game there. Play. Think of something outside the box that I think would be fun to watch and would be fun for the players to participate in. I have an idea. Let's hear. It. I have an idea for what we do with this. You do two of them in the same weekend, and here are the matchups. Okay. You pick a particular city that is the host for both games. You have a rematch of the Stanley Cup final from the previous season. I like it. And the host city matches up with a rival of that team. Okay, so it would be like... I'm just like, it's, let's say it's in, you know, the mountains of Colorado, like a ski resort or something like that. It would be, uh, you know, it'd be Florida and Vegas and Colorado and go with Dallas. Yeah. Go with Dallas. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Like I can get on board with that. Yeah. Kind of make it it a reward. Yes. That's, that's the point that, in order to make this so that I think teams are more appealed to do it, you've got to make it kind of a, you've got to reward the host site as opposed to just, Hey, we're picking two teams that are, and I know a lot of times you do that anyway, but I I think you got to find some sort of an appealing matchup to go along with a rivalry game, as opposed to what you said, where they just pick two teams and they're like, here you go. They'll, we'll play it. It'll be the Minnesota wild taking on, the Anaheim Ducks. We'll play it at. Uh, we'll play it in Minnesota. It's like, who cares about that? No, yeah. you got to get a rivalry. Get Minnesota and Chicago, and then have the Stanley Cup rematch the night before. Do it on a Friday night. Do it on a Saturday night. You'll get so many people that will be able to devote time to the weekend, have activities, or, or, I would need to look into this a little bit. Because obviously you'd have to work on the ice between games. Mm-hmm. You do two games in one day, like a double do, header. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. You do like a one p.m. and a seven p.m. on the same day. Interesting. 
Uh, would you consider an all-star game outdoors? Uh, oh, Instead oh. Of, because we, we have so much trouble getting players to all-star weekend. Would you mind like an all instead of that, do like an all-star weekend? Are you kidding me? If you had the all-star game outdoors and had all of the festivities that go into it also outdoors, that would be one of the most, that is too good of a change for the NHL. It's too good. Mm-hmm. We might be onto something. We might here. be onto something here. Uh, NHL, call us. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll take just a, a non a, a minor fee for coming up with the idea, the the inventor's fee or whatever they call it. But beyond or, that, or a year's salary, either one. Yeah, beyond that, Gary Bettman, it's all yours. So yeah. we'll see. We uh, I think we got something here. So we'll continue. We go from uh, coming up with creative ways to uh, spin the uh, stadium series to trying to come up with creative ways to spin the San Jose Sharks, which is going to be it's going to be a challenge. And uh, we'll do that as we continue today's episode of the Locked On NHL podcast after this. Today's episode of the Locked On NHL podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is 150 bucks if your team wins. So if you are a fan of the Los Angeles Chargers and you pick them to beat the Chicago Bears on Sunday night football, you are feeling great about uh, your prospects with your bonus bu- uh, bonus bucks after your winning bid. You can use those bonus bu- uh, bonus bucks on a variety of things, such as spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So pick a winning bet and then get $150 in bonus bets once you cash in. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to today's Western Conference Tuesday edition of Locked On NHL. Once again, we are your team every day. Seth Topol joined by Nick Morgan and... You want to talk about getting a pumpkin ready for Halloween? The uh, San Jose Sharks did just that as uh, they're still winless. And um, I, I got to give some sympathy to uh, our guy, JD, because oh. he was going through some of the statistics and he pulled the heat map for where the shots have come uh, for the opponents. Mm-hmm. And it is it, basically the entire zone is red. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a mess. Well, let's 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 back it up here because JD is not lamenting this at all. Oh no. JD is like the guy in the sickos meme who is just watching this through the window laughing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> JD is loving this right now. He's loving the tank job uh by the San Jose Shark. Let's let's not get that twisted at all. Yeah, it's it's been it's been an impressive uh, job by the Sharks so far to uh, get as few points as possible. They have one point so far this season. Ironically, that came against the Colorado Avalanche of all teams. Although, if I recall correctly, that was one of those Mackenzie Blackwood stand on your head games. Um, 
because I think he stopped somewhere in between 50 and 60 shots, which yeah. is pretty much par for the course for that Sharks team. But it's it's a Sharks team that I think if they're doing this the smart way, anybody that is playing well that is a vet on that team should be dealt at the trade deadline. As many picks as you can get, and you just start just filling that prospect pool, and that just increases your odds that uh, some of those players are going to hit. Yeah, one problem, Seth. Uh, who are the vets on the team playing well right now? Yeah, there is that. I mean, Tomas Hurdle, five points. Like, he's the leading scorer, one goal, four assists, but that's the big contract. I mean, some of the players that you got to, you know, trade at the deadline and, you know, get a piece or something like that, like Anthony Duclair, one goal this season. And that's his only point. Mike Hoffman, kind of the same situation. One assist, his only point. Uh, you got Mikhail Granlund to kind of do the same thing, and he is likely out long-term uh, due to injury. So it's just, you know, who who are you going to trade? Like, yeah, who, I... who, who on this roster, if you're an NHL team, do you go and look at and say, okay, like, yeah, I'm I'm all in on that. Like, you're not, you're not touching Mark Edward Vlasic. At, at this point, you're not touching, um, you know, Logan Couture or, you know, who Kevin LeBanc, like, like somebody that was, you know, look like the future of the team and all of a sudden is now, uh, you know, like taboo over there just because of how fall, like how far he's fallen down the depth chart in recent years. Here's if you're going to trade somebody. Uh, I was expecting to look at the San Jose Sharks roster page and see like, like 870 save percentages from the goaltender, just like the awful job we've seen like in Anaheim and Chicago with their goalie situations last year. Both goalies for the Sharks are actually not playing bad. No. Capo Kakinen, 907 save percentage. Mackenzie Blackwood, 907 save percentage. But each of them have goals against average, like three and a half or better. It's because they're facing like 40 shots a game. That's how bad the Sharks roster is in front of them. They're actually getting decent goaltending, but just absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing from the roster in front of them. Um, the Sharks have faced 345 shots in nine games, which if I divide that up, that is at the low point, 38 shots per game, um, which just it, that's that seems hideous. But again, you, you look at who's playing in front of them and a player that I would have put on maybe the try to trade if he's playing well would be Nico Sturm who was a sneaky good pickup for the Colorado Avalanche uh, the year that they won the cup. Um, he's got no points in nine games. So yeah. that's not a route you can go either. No. I mean, there's, I mean, the Sharks did what they wanted to do. I mean, they're, oh, taking, yeah. they're going to probably get a top three pick uh, in the NHL. Uh, I hate that the NHL changed the draft rules. I think if you blatantly tank, you should be at risk to have the fourth pick in the draft. Um, that's that's a different rant for another show on another day. I mean, look, the Sharks are, are bad, and they were trying to be bad, so kudos to them. 
Uh, but they're so bad that now you're kind of sucking yourself into a corner here yeah. because now you don't really have any big pieces to move unless you can convince a team to to take that Tomas Hurdle contract. I mean, he's he's by far the best player on the team, the, the one that still has like a decent amount of upside, a decent amount of prime of his career left. Uh, but he's got a massive contract. So are, are, are you going to convince anybody to take that off your hands? And if so, are you going to get that sort of, you know, let's jumpstart a rebuild type of package that you would want to see from a player like him? I, I don't know if you do right now. I will end with this set that I it's the, the Sharks are on pace to not just be bad, but on pace for maybe historically bad levels and i'm talking maybe one of the worst statistical teams uh in nhl history and let me tell you i think they got a chance to do it yeah they i was looking at some of the other numbers and as a team collectively they have 221 shots on net and so 345 for the opponent 221 for the team usually getting out shot by 100 is not a good recipe for success and so, again, we commend the Sharks for embracing the tank, diving headfirst into the tank, and now getting pulled into the tank by the riptide and not being able to get out of the tank. You're in it now. You're, yeah. you're stuck in it. You are in the abyss, friends in San Jose. Best, uh, best of luck the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we'll God finish team. by... We'll finish by talking about a player who was a former San Jose Shark at one point, um, actually for quite a bit of his career, as uh, Joe Thornton hung up his skates. So we'll talk about that as we finish today's episode of Locked on NHL after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Uh, Austin Matthews could score 60 goals again this season. The Vegas Golden Knights could lift the Stanley Cup again. And the best one of all, you could win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Lockdown NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether studs like Crosby, McKinnon, McDavid, Ovechkin, Bedard will record more or less than their Sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in a given game let me tell you right now i am liking what jack hughes is doing in new jersey that's a player that i would definitely bet the over on in points and if you're looking for maybe a sneaky good pick how about ridley greg out in the ottawa right now seven points leads all rookies yep even more points than Connor bedard that's somebody that you can make an easy bet on too to win a 100 times bet on sleeper you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats you heard me hockey fans you can win a hundred times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper 
So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on NHL. Once again, we thank you for making Locked on NHL your first listen each and every day. Seth Topol joined by Nick Morgan of Locked on Predators. And Joe Thornton hung it up in the, I think, the only way that made sense for him to do it, just sitting on a beach somewhere, uh, just a cell phone video saying, yep, it's time. Uh, and I mean, you look you look at the numbers, they're impressive in and of themselves as uh, he finishes his career with eleven hundred and four games played. He had over a thousand points, two hundred fifty one goals, eight hundred and four assists in a 15 year career. Um, actually, that was even just with San Jose. Uh, it's way more impressive than that. Um, if I would just read down to the bottom of the page, <laughs> a 15 year career with one team is enough in and of itself. But he spent eight more years with Boston. He spent a year with Toronto, a year with Florida for 24 total seasons in the NHL, 1714 games, 430 goals, 1109 assists, 1539 total points, which is good for 12th all time in the NHL. Those numbers sound much better. That that's way more of a Joe Thornton career than uh, than just what he did in San Jose. So, a very long and uh, successful career for uh, for Joe Thornton. Nick, uh, what do you think about uh, Thornton's career in general? Well, first, as somebody who watched him uh, tear up the Western Conference, including the Nashville Predators, twice in a, a few years span, um, good riddance. Uh, but you know, I mean, Joe Thornton and, and you and I were talking, there's a lot of, you know, newer hockey fans, uh, a lot of hockey fans who, you know, have, have jumped on, you know, in the past 10 years or so. And I don't really think they got to appreciate peak Joe Thornton. And I'm thinking my, my biggest memory of him is that famous trade from the Boston Bruins to the San Jose Sharks in 2006 uh, a year in which he was traded and still won the Hart Trophy. I mean, listen to these numbers, uh, Seth. 96 assists that season. 96 assists. He has more assists that year than a lot of players had points. 125 points. Uh, I mean, that's, that is a, you know, a, a stat line that I don't think is ever going to be matched in modern NHL. I mean, that's like a throwback to the days of like Gretzky and Lemieux and when teams were scoring six or seven goals a game. That to me is, is Joe Thornton. It was just his ability to both use his size, his vision, his stick work and, and create plays that way. He really was, I think, if you were to build an NHL player from scratch in that era, Joe Thornton was the prototype. Yeah, and I mean, there were so many teams that I think share your sentiment in being glad that he is no longer just ruining them on a nightly basis. I think none other than the Arizona Coyotes. You, know, you look at his numbers against Arizona, 93 career games, 90 points. He had 25 goals, 65 assists against them alone. That's a good season for 
that that's like an above average season for yeah. uh, for many players. And he was able to do that just against one team. And there are like 10 other teams that he had that level of success against, too. Yeah. Here's a question for you, Seth. And this is, I think, something that's going to tear a lot of different fans apart. What is Joe Thornton's legacy? Because, you know, we, we what's the famous John Tortorella quote, uh, you know, kind of responding to some some comments from Joe Thornton. He's going to go down as maybe the best player to never win a damn thing in this league. And that, but that's kind of part of Joe Thornton's legacy is just yeah. somebody who made one Stanley Cup final. Um, was never really able to go back and get, you know, his team to the promised land. Uh, do you sort of think that takes away from, from some of his luster and how we remember him? Or do you think teams are just going to remember him more for just his explosive scoring, you know, his peak physicalness, all that good junk? You know, that's that's an interesting question. And I think that's kind of where you see players get separated from those that are able to perform at a high level in the regular season. And then you just see guys that are able to elevate their play in the postseason when it matters the most. And not that Thornton didn't. I mean, looking at his playoff stats, he uh, he went to plenty of playoff games uh, throughout the course of his career. But you think about uh, hopping on with um, Toronto and Florida over the last couple of years, just trying to get another opportunity to uh, to get to that highest level and just not being able to uh, not being able to get one with either of those two teams. Mm-hmm. He's going to be one of those players, I think, that will always be remembered as a good player that just, like you said, just never won a damn thing. Yeah, well, I didn't say it, John Tornarello. So <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's like, and I do think it's almost like the Dan Marino effect. Y- yes, where that's people, exactly what I was was thinking of as a comp. Yeah, where where it's like you know you, you think of Dan Marino as like oh he's not as good as Brady, he's not as good as Manning. He like you know lost all, he never won a Super Bowl. Like he's way down there on the list and. Then you hear people like Manning or, or Brady talk, and and it's you know they talk about Dan Marino. It's like this is the best actual quarterback I've ever seen play the game, and I feel like that's like that for Joe Thornton. It's just he's one of the best pure playmakers I've ever seen when he's in his prime. Just so good at creating chances for other players, creating chances for himself. But it's just I feel like because of you know the cup thing and maybe some of you know, his legacy there that maybe takes it down a notch and maybe we're not going to remember him in the echelon where he should be because of that. Yeah, it's it's the ring argument is one that always, I think, pushes player good players down and elevates players that weren't maybe as good. But because they actually were able to get championships, then you're like, yeah, this guy's got to be good then. I mean, that was the Eli Manning argument forever yeah. is where does he stack in amongst the, the best quarterbacks to ever do it? Well, he's got to be higher than this guy. Cause he won two super bowls. He's not below. He's not above this guy though. The rings always just, you know, bounce people up more than maybe they should. Mm-hmm. And it draw, it drops people down um, on the same side of that argument more than they should be dropped as well. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, but all the best to Jumbo Joe uh, in retirement because he was one fun player to watch.
yeah, stick taps for uh, for Joe Thornton. Um, enjoy whatever whatever retirement brings. Would love for it to be some sort of an analyst role somewhere, but you know, we'll see. Maybe at some point. Yeah. Um, maybe. That will do it for today's episode of the Locked on NHL podcast. Again, we thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any new episodes of the Locked on NHL podcast and our wide array of hosts throughout the week. You can find new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked on Podcast Network.